Thank you uh, again for bearing with me as I attempt to lead us in singing. I think the musicians have done a great job uh, uh, without Brad, but uh, I will be grateful for Brad to return for for my sake. But uh, thank you for your patience uh, with that. We are continuing our study in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, In our study in Mark last week, we saw the power and authority and intimate love of Jesus and how he came to proclaim the good news uh, throughout Galilee. And this week, we're looking at a very short text um, in the Gospel of Mark that draws us into another intimate encounter between Jesus and a leper. Um, So with that, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, or you can uh, turn in your bulletins, uh, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 to the end of the chapter. Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 to the end of the chapter. Hear God's word. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit uh, would help us as we seek to understand your word and to see Jesus uh, and his love and salvation more clearly. Uh, We ask this in his name. Amen. About uh, two years ago, this time, maybe a little, maybe it was January, I don't remember the exact date, Um, but I went out uh, into my yard, this new yard that I had, and all of its wonder and wildlife, uh, a couple old trees had fallen down, and I went out and I went to chop those trees down, and I took a, a saw, and there was a dead tree, and I cut it, and without really paying attention, there were vines wrapped around the, the tree, and uh, it turned out those vines, thick, really thick vines, were poison ivy. I didn't know that they could be that thick, and I did not know that poison ivy had... Uh, the ability to really affect you in the winter. I just assumed it was dormant and it, didn't, it was just the leaves that were a problem. But what ensued was the worst or one of the worst uh, bouts of poison ivy that I've ever had uh, in my life. And uh, I had to get steroids orally and steroid ointments and I had blisters covering my arms and you can picture it. It was gross. It was weepy. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I had to wrap my arms so that Anyway, I don't want to go into all the details, but that was hard. It was awful. I can't express how awful it was. But one of the sadder things for me was that my loving children wanted nothing to do with me. And they would avoid me, um, like the plague, because that's what it was viewed as. Now, of course, um, they were afraid, and I, I get it. It was both disgusting and, you know, you... you you're afraid of getting this thing if it gets on you. And I don't think that's the case, but you can understand that. It's a, it's a fear thing. But this only lasted a week or two, maybe, maybe more than that, actually, in retrospect, about three weeks. 
But this is not so with leprosy, as we see it in the biblical texts. Scholars have tried to identify very specific diseases of today that comport to the leprosy that we see in the biblical text. Yet, the biblical texts in there throughout Scripture seem to be more general. Like, leprosy is used as a broad category of various uh, skin diseases. Um, and it included things like uh, boils on your skin or spots or hair falling out. I mean, and gross stuff, right? Painful stuff. Um, whatever the diseases were specifically, it was something that made the person in the Jew- Jewish world um, not just contagious, right, potentially, but more significantly for the Jewish person, made them ceremonially unclean. There are two chapters, uh, two chapters in the book of Leviticus that deal just with leprosy. So that's a big chunk of, uh, of information just on skin disease stuff and what was the, the process by which somebody would be declared clean or made clean, uh, ceremonially speaking. Um, and so it was a big deal. If someone was found to be leprous, depending on the type and severity, they would be sent outside the city. They were not allowed to enter into the, the, at least the major cities, and they weren't allowed to enter certainly into the, the temple. And they had to remain unkempt. They had to kind of muss up their hair and wear raggedy clothes. And they had to go around with their mouth covered, crying, unclean, unclean. And that people then would scurry away from them. Um, The only way the unclean designation could be removed is if it was verified by a priest who went outside the city and would look at the man from a distance for sure and declare whether that skin disease was gone or not. If it was gone, then that man had to go back into the city, go through a process of sacrificial He had to take a bird and sacrifice it and sprinkle blood. And there had to be a cleansing sort of ceremony. And only at that point, after which the the priest would declare this person clean. And they could return to normal life. Leprosy in scripture was meant to be an outward picture of the inward corruption of sin. This is not to say, and I want to be clear here, it's not to say that a particular sin was necessarily the cause of leprosy. I don't think that's what was intended by the biblical accounts in Leviticus. It's just that leprosy as a human condition was meant to be a picture of the pollution of sin. In other words, it was a physical testament of the pervasive, contagious, disgusting reality of sin in all of us. That's what was meant to be pictured. And it's hard for us to imagine what it must have been like to be the visual picture of sin for the people of God. Imagine you, because you have this terrible skin disease, are now for the whole people of Israel, at least the people that can see you, a visual representation of sin terrifying thing, an awful thing to be ostracized in the midst of deep physical suffering 
to feel unloved and unwanted, to carry the shame on you visibly for everyone to see, and to go around declaring it, unclean, unclean. And so we come to our text with this background. Jesus is confronted by a leper, a desperate man. And as we look at this text, I want us to see the deep compassion of our great high priest who came to make us clean. That was why he came, to make us clean. And I want us to wonder at Jesus who embraces the defiled. The king of the universe who came and stooped and reached out and touched the defiled. And we're going to look at this in three parts, as usual. I know, it kind of gets old, but it's easy for us to, to categorize sometimes, right? So first, I want us to see Jesus, the high priest who is able. Secondly, I want us to see Jesus, the high priest who is compassionate. And finally, I want us to see Jesus, the high priest, uh, period, our high priest. So, first, Jesus, the high priest who is able. You'll remember from our previous study that Jesus had gone to the synagogues in the region of Galilee and had been casting out demons and he'd been healing people. And he was garnering a reputation for himself as a powerful miracle worker. Do you remember? Uh, The word went out and everybody started flooding into his home, right? Or flooding to the home where he was staying. Um, uh, And uh, he was there uh, healing and casting out demons demons, yet his aim, his purpose, as was stated in the first part of chapter 1, was to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, that is, repent and believe, right? Believe in me, the king who's come to establish his kingdom. Repent, turn from your sin, believe in me. That was his goal. The healings, the casting out of demons was a picture Just as leprosy was a picture of sin, so the casting out of demons and the healing of the sick was meant to be a picture of the inward work that Jesus was doing, the holistic work of what Jesus was doing in restoring a people for himself. But once again, Jesus is confronted by a man who seems wholly focused on his outward problem, his leprosy. And for good reason, right? It dominated his life. It defined who he was. He was a leper. And we aren't told anything about this man's life. We don't know how long he'd been suffering with leprosy. We don't know what town he came from or what family he was a part of. We don't know what became of him after his encounter with Jesus, other than that he went out and told everybody what had happened. We don't know much, but we know that he was a leper. And this wasn't, if you go back to Leviticus and read, this wasn't the milder form of skin disease. If there was a mild skin disease, the priest could look at it and be like, well, let's shut you up for a week and then let you out. And, oh, another week goes by, you still need to be shut up. We'll shut you up for a week, not let you near people, and then we'll let you out. But on the more serious, if they looked at the skin and recognized that it was more than just on the surface, but it had some... Real, real malady to it, they would not shut you up, but they'd send you out. They'd muss up your hair, they'd tell you to muss up your hair, and tell you to put on grungy clothes, and tell you to get out of the city. 
go through that process of becoming unclean. That's what this man was. That's who he was. He was persona non grata. He was persona non grata, not for what he had done, but for who he was. It's hard to imagine that designation, isn't it? And it brings up some really difficult questions for us. Why did God institute such a harsh law in the Old Testament that would treat people suffering from an already painful disease. And by the way, you, you who have ever had and suffered from any sort of skin ailment know how many nerve endings are on your skin. Like, yeah, you might get a stomach ache and feel a little, uh, but when you have a splinter, a tiny little splinter in your finger, how painful is that? If you have a skin disease, it's constant pain and hardship. It's not something that uh, just goes away. And they didn't even have the same sorts of modern medicine we have. Incredibly painful and uncomfortable. So here's a man suffering intensely from a skin disease. And then on top of that, the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, has designated this man as someone who cannot dwell in the midst of God's people. He has been removed from fellowship with the people of God and in a a symbolic way, fellowship with God himself in the worship of the temple. I think that question, why, naturally arises. Why, Lord? Why would you bring this terrible thing on this person? Not only the sickness in some sense, but this being ostracized the word out. But why is the right question we need to ask? Because there is an answer. It forces us to wrestle with the nature of all of our hearts apart from God's grace. This man stood as a picture, as one who did not have access to worship or fellowship. He was unclean and undefiled and undefiled. The Jewish people understood this concept of being unclean. In fact, the Pharisees were known for going to elaborate lengths to maintain their ceremonial, ceremonial clean, cleanliness. They instituted all sorts of cleaning rituals that went beyond Scripture in order that they might not unintentionally defile themselves by touching something an unclean person had touched. Yet, despite that vivid picture of defilement, the leper in their midst. The people of God still failed to make the connection between the external picture of uncleanness and the internal reality of the pollution of sin in the heart. And I wonder if we don't do that. If sometimes we don't fail to see the reality, the ugliness the painfulness of our own sinfulness. The leper came to Jesus not because of his spiritual condition, but because of his physical condition. Nevertheless, he came to Jesus. And this is 
this is the beauty of this, right? He saw Jesus. He fell on his knees and he implored him, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, he may not have fully understood who Jesus was as the Son of God and Savior of sinners. He couldn't have articulated the things that Isaac was articulating in, in, in Sunday school class about the two natures of Christ. Uh, but he had a sense. He understood that Jesus was the only capable one of making him clean. And in that, there's an implicit recognition. The leprous man knew that Jesus was greater than anyone else. He was greater than the priests in the temple. He knew that this man, Jesus, was from God. because, And this is an interesting reality. In the Old Testament, only two persons were healed of leprosy. And they were healed only by God himself. In rabbinic tradition, it was as difficult to heal a leper, they would say, as it was to raise the dead. So this leper came. And he spoke better than he knew when he said, If you will, you can make me clean. It's not an infrequent thing for us to come to the Lord with our health concerns. And I think that's a good and right thing. Uh, We ought to because he is uh, the sovereign God of heaven and earth. He made us. He knit us together. He knows our frame and he cares for us. And we can bring those physical concerns to the Lord. Yet Christ shows himself throughout the gospel to have uh, this great concern for the sick, right? He goes out and he, he cares for the sick and he heals the sick and he has compassion on the sick. But we'll miss the wonder of this text if we miss these two realities. First, our real issue, our fundamental problem is much deeper than our physical concerns. Friends, we are defiled by sin. We are like a man or a woman oozing with pus-filled sores whose hair is falling out, who isn't allowed to live in community, who has to ward people off. This is what we are like, apart from God's grace. That's what the picture was meant to say. The Jews were to look at them and say, oh, that's a physical representation of the nature of all of our hearts. Someone who's avoided at all costs. Someone who doesn't know the loving embrace of another. Nobody will even touch him. So it is with sin. It separates us from God. It breaks down our relationships with one another. And like festering wounds, it ravages our whole self. And apart from the cleansing, healing hand of Christ, it leads to death. That's the first thing, that wonder of the text that that we need to see, the the reality of our sin in the picture of the leper. But the second thing, the more wondrous thing, is that Jesus, our high priest, is able and willing. He can cleanse us. And the call is for us to run to him with all of our infirmities, our physical as well as our spiritual, and to cast ourselves at his feet 
to get on our knees like this leper and cry out, if you're willing, Lord, I know you can do this. You alone are able to cleanse me, not just from all my physical infirmities, but from my sin. Do you see Jesus as the one who is able? As the powerful high priest who is able to wash you and make you clean. The priests could not wash or make clean. But Jesus could. And this brings me to my my second point. See Jesus, the high priest, as the compassionate one. Jesus is confronted with this leper. Uh, He had been confronted over and over again, right? Again, with the sick and the the lame and the demon-possessed and the self-righteous and the sinner. They were all flooding to him. Uh, Last week, we saw how he went out to the desolate place to pray. Why? Because he was tired. Because he needed refreshment. He needed communion with his heavenly father. He went out to that desolate place to get away. Why? Because, well, as we've been learning in our class, he's fully human. As well as divine. No doubt he was distressed because people came to him for physical relief but not for physical restoration. That distressed him. To see the hordes of people want healing and for him to see and know their deepest need was not their physical health, but their spiritual condition. And so it is with this leper, another one, another sick person, another sinner who wanted Jesus to fix his physical ailments his earthly issues. As a parent of very young ones, when they're really little, there's a point at which all you want to do is scream. Maybe, if you're a parent, you'll experience this. Because you feel as though your life is on this repeat cycle. A child or a baby cries with or without words, saying, I need food, my diaper is dirty, I'm scared, I'm mad because I'm not getting what I want, I'm hurt, I'm uncomfortable, I need food, my diaper is dirty, I'm tired, I'm not tired, I need you, I need you, I don't want you, and repeat and recycle. Right? And, and unfortunately, as parents, sometimes we do, we lose it. We just lose it. And so you might excuse Jesus here if he had said to the leper, listen, I'm not just here to fix your ailments. I've got something better for you. The the father obviously ordained your leprosy. So buck up. I've got bigger fish to fry. In fact, your suffering is nothing compared to the suffering I'm going to face on the cross. Jesus could have said that, right? He would have been justified. doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't do that, no. The text says he was moved with pity. Pity doesn't quite do the Greek word justice here. I think I've translated this word for you before, but sometimes it's translated as compassion. But even that doesn't get at the, the visceral nature of the word. The word comes from the word for the internal organs or the bowels. It's that deep, gut-wrenching, feeling that we get when someone else is suffering, right? You've felt that before. When you watch somebody go through something, it's that heartache we feel when someone we love is grieving. You've seen that. You've been alongside somebody grieving, and your heart 
aches, bursts for that person. It's that deep physical and emotional sympathy and compassion. Jesus' heart ached for the pain and sorrow and grief that this leprous man experienced. He did not think of himself. He thought only of this man. And Jesus did the unthinkable. The thing no one did for this man. What did Jesus do? He reached out and he touched this leprous man. In that moment, Jesus defiled himself that this man might be made clean. Now, any other person who reached out and touched this man would have to go through an elaborate cleansing ceremony themselves. Um, This is why people avoided him. But Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't like the priests who might come out and check on the status and declare whether or not the man was clean or unclean. Jesus was the Lord of glory. He was the great high priest who could take the defilement on himself and cleanse this man of this terrible disease. And this is the most amazing thing. And he was willing. He says, I will. Jesus was willing to reach out to this man and make him clean. Jesus was willing to be defiled Jesus was willing to take upon himself the dust of earth, the dust of earth becoming like us, embracing us, and pouring out his blood for us, and cleansing us from our sin, not for some gross skin disease, but for the horror of sin itself. Jesus was willing to bear the curse and the shame of our sin, which is far more heinous than leprosy. Jesus had a deep, gut-wrenching heartache. Not for our physical infirmities alone, but because we are lost in our sin. And he reaches out that he might embrace us. He loves us despite us. Friends, do you see this, Jesus? Do you see his compassion and his love? Do you see that not only does he care about our physical needs, but he addresses our deepest spiritual needs? That he cleanses us from our sin? Jesus in compassion reached out and healed this man. What a picture. Even the leper can be healed. Even the sinner, like you and me, can be saved. Brings me to my final point and conclusion. See Jesus, that great high priest. The text takes an interesting turn. It says that Jesus sternly charged and sent him right away to go to the priests and to go through the official process of being declared clean. um, That he might, it says specifically, um, that you might show proof to them. Um, and this all, this process included making a sacrifice and going through a ceremonial cleansing. But the intriguing thing is that Jesus sternly warned him. I don't know if Jesus sternly warned me how that would affect me, but this man was not super affected. Um, 
We, we aren't told whether he went to the priests or not, but the implication of the text is that he probably didn't. Jesus told him not to tell anybody um, about what had happened. And this, this intriguing warning that Jesus gives um, raises some more questions, right? It says, why did Jesus want him to go to the priests? Why was that a necessary thing? Secondly, why didn't he go or why did he disobey the Lord? And finally, what are some implications of this disobedience? Well, just to answer these few questions, why did Jesus want him to go to the priests? Uh, I think there are are two reasons. First, it was Jesus' desire to show all the world that he was from God. That as the Messiah, he came to save the people from their sin. He wanted to show that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so by sending this man back to the priests to go through the process of ceremonially being declared clean, he wanted to show the true meaning of the laws of the Old Testament. He wanted those priests to realize that 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 whole system of the leper and the unclean person being made to be separate from the community and to be in many ways shunned uh, and to be sort of ostracized by the community, that that was being fulfilled in him. That they couldn't do anything about it. Functionally, all they did was say, yes, you are clean, no, you are unclean. But that he, as the great high priest, had the power and ability as the Messiah to come and to make people clean. That he was fulfilling the laws of the Old Testament. So that's the first uh, reason, I think, why he was being sent to the high priest. The second reason was that he desired to continue his ministry in the cities and synagogues. Uh, and by this man going out and proclaiming the miracle to everyone, it, would, it only increased the crowds and pushed him farther out into the wilderness. Right? That's exactly what the text tells us. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter. His fame had gone exponentially greater. And so Jesus, on some level, wanted some, uh, some space to be able to do ministry. And this was pushing him farther and farther out. Uh, of the city. But why didn't this man do what he was told by Jesus? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we aren't told, but one can only presume that the sheer joy and wonder of his healing prevented him from being silent. It's like, uh, you know, this, this great thing that you have buried inside you that you know is true. You have this wonderful news and you can't do anything but get it out. Uh, Jeremiah, was it Jeremiah? It was, uh, I think it was Jeremiah. Talked about the, uh, the, the, the bones, like the, 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 the internal message that he had to get out. There's a sense in which um, that fire in the bones, that fire in the belly, this, this thing that he has that I've been healed and I need to go tell the world about it. So I think that's probably what's going on. He wanted to shout it from the rooftops. Secondly, I think why he didn't go maybe to the priest is he didn't grasp the greater significance of Jesus' mission. He, he, he understood this man was from God and he had power 
unlike anyone else, but I don't think he understood fully the mission of Jesus. Finally, why he didn't go? Well, he's still a sinner. <laughs> he's still a sinner, right? I mean, he's, he's a mixed motivations. He wants to tell everybody, and so he just dismisses the command of his Lord. He's still a sinner. Well, so what are the implications of his disobedience? First, Jesus is forced out into the wilderness to accommodate crowds. Now, more than ever, he's seen as one who is in opposition to the law of Moses by the religious authorities. That becomes a theme throughout the Gospels. You're in opposition to us. You're defying us. You're breaking down our traditions and our rules. And this becomes a theme throughout the Gospels. But there's another implication. And this one is a little trickier because Jesus desired, he commanded this man to go and do this thing, and yet the man resisted and and disobeyed. And yet all of this was in the plan of God's sovereign will. This was part of what he designed. Jesus would trade places with the leper. The leper would go and live in the city and be well and whole and be in fellowship. And Jesus gets pushed out into the wilderness. Out of the synagogues. The leper would be clean and Jesus would carry the shame and defilement of the people. That was his role. The leper would live, but Jesus would go to his death. This was the plan of the Father. Jesus, our great high priest, offers himself up. He's the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He's the lamb who sheds his blood and cleanses and cleans. Jesus willingly reached out and helped this leper. And in doing, he willingly took our shame and our sin upon himself. Friends, we, you and I, carry around with us all sorts of shame and guilt. Don't we? Daily basis. Imagine, if you will, all your shame, all your sin, all your evil thoughts were visible on your skin. Not only that, imagine all of that shame and guilt and evilness exposed and you had to go around declaring it. I am evil. I'm a sinner. I'm full of shame. And here are all the ways that I've done this. Friends, we carry with us this defilement. Things that if we were to wear them on our skin would cause people to run from us. Things that if they had physical form would cause us such pain and misery. Things that no human can carry ultimately that brings us to the grave. Friends, you have a great high priest who carries your infirmities and your sins and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. He bears them on the cross. What does he call us to do? Cast ourselves at his feet. Rest in him. Be touched by him and cleansed by him to be united in him and so be renewed and restored and washed in the blood of Jesus. That's our hope. Sometimes we bear the load of our sin even 
though we've been forgiven. Do you know that your sins have been cast into the sea, believer? If you are yet to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, do you know that you don't have to carry that shame and defilement and uncleanness, but the Lord Jesus has come down and reached into our lives and has cleansed us from our sin. Put your faith and trust in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father,